But thank God. This is what, something that this is a participation in the message. And I need you to help me. Aren't you glad for his presence this morning? Oh, man. Um, I, I, without his presence, where would we be? We wouldn't have what we need. And, and a lot of places don't have the presence of the Lord anymore. And we've been having a movement of God, and we thank God for that. And he moves differently. A lot of people seem to think it's always in the shouting. That's not always the case. God will come in, and sometimes you just weep. Sometimes you just speak it in the heavenly language. But it's God moving. It's God doing what he needs to do. And I thank God for every moment that he comes in with his presence. Thank God that he does that. And this is where I want you to participate because it's a sign that we're going to give to the Lord. And we're in a time in, a, in America when they call this March Madness. If you understand what I'm talking about, it's basketball season. It's coming to the end. And everybody gets into basketball season, they call it March Madness. Well, in sports uh, arenas, whatever it may be, whether it's uh, a basketball, football, whatever, uh, the referees always, when they see a touchdown or they see a goal being made or, or something going on, they always go. You ever see that before I'm watching TV? Watch those things. They go like this. It's, yep, they made it home. It's, it's a goal. This is something I want us to do because that's a sign that says, yep, you've done it. It's victory. In that sense, because you made it to the goal. You made it to where you are. We ain't home yet, but how many knows that we've got victory in Christ? Yes. We got victory in Jesus. So what I want you to do, every time you hear the word victory or triumph, I want you to raise your hands. Just raise your hands. Let's get it in practice. You know what that is? That's not only release, but it's a sign of victory. Yes. It's letting the devil know that, hey, victory. But I want you to not just raise your hands. I want you to say victory. Let's put it into practice. One, two, three. Victory. Victory. Oh, you are good. I got 100% participation. Thank you, Lord. This is like a cheer block. (laughs) Victory. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. You you get your team going. You get that going. But the message is victory in Jesus. We're going to (laughs) go. You got it, sis. Let's try this again. Victory in Jesus. Oh, very good. You're getting it. Uh, you're, anticip- you're anticipating what's going to take place. Uh, thank God that we can triumph. Oh, you got to pay attention to the message now. Uh, I can enjoy this. I like this because like, amen, hallelujah, glory. Uh, and you got to pay attention to every little moment. But every time you hear the word victory, what do you do? Oh, some of you are slowing down. Uh, it's not time to slow down. We ain't home yet. Uh, we ain't there yet. But thank God, a victory brings victory. success, triumph, victory. overcoming, and brings success when you hear that word. When you hear that in that context, you know that success is just right around the corner because we have been striving. We've been wanting, we've been going forth in a way that uh, would please the Lord. But not only that, it brings uh, an overcoming area that we can say, Hey, I'm an overcomer. Aren't you glad that you're an overcomer? And it's nothing we did that makes us overcoming, but it's Christ himself and what he did on the cross. How that when he died, but he didn't leave it there. If that was all that we could look to, yes, that would be a person dying for our sins. But he says, I want to bring something else and we're going to celebrate in the things of what Christ has done. And we have victory Victory. 
in Christ because of what he did. He rose from the dead and he sits on the right hand of the Father making intercession so it brings victory in my life. Thank you, Father. I got to get in the word. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14, stand for the reading of God's word in this passage. Keep your Bibles handy. If you haven't been coming Sunday nights, uh, I encourage you to come back. And uh, we've got this series, uh, The Blessed Life. Oh, it's a good one. And uh, this time he's going to be talking about the curse of mammon how to overcome the curse of mammon. And I believe you'll be blessed in that uh, revelation of some things there, very good uh, teachings in this uh, Pastor Morris brings. But let's look at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. There you go. You're catching on in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Notice how Paul writes about being triumphant. Victory. Oh, very good. You were looking at the word. I understand. But every once in a while, just kind of raise your head up. And that's what we need to do. Understand that what we have in Christ and what he does, it says, who leads us. Who leads us. Say he leads. He leads. And we follow. Aren't you glad where he leads us and how he leads us? Notice what the scripture says. People are watching your life as, as you talk, as you give out the fragrance, as you take on the perfume of heaven and they see that, they want to see how your life is doing. Do you have victory? victory. You must portray that. If he's leading you triumphantly, then you know that you're walking in the place that you need to be. And people are looking for that area in your life that brings them to a place. If you can make it, then I can make it. See, we all struggle. We all hit those areas in your life. But when we're led by the Lord, when we're led into things, he brings us to a triumphal entry into the things of life. Say victory. Mm, you may be seated. Now, keep your victory. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some of you are just getting seated, I understand. But you need to be ready at all times. But it says leads us. In other words, my walking is very important. How I walk in the ways of the things of God brings me to the place of this. Now, notice what the Apostle Paul said. Now, thanks be to God. He was thankful. He was thankful. See, the Apostle Paul understood the things he was going through. He had been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten. He'd been left for dead. He, he'd been given over by uh, uh, tormentors because in some ways what the tormentors were was the religious folks. And they were coming at him because of what he found in his life. But he says, I had not lost the vision. I had not 
gone astray from what God's calling. I am being led by Christ himself. I'm doing what he wants to. And so by that, I am an overcomer. By that, I have success. By that, I have triumphing life. Very good. Hmm. In other words, the Bible says here, he says, it's a perfume. How many ever run into somebody and they've got some very good perfume on? A fragrance or maybe an aftershave or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a cologne that the men wear. You come up, wow, that smells good. Have you passed somebody and after they passed and they're walking way past you and all of a sudden you're going, the fragrance still lingers? See, that lets me know that they've been somewhere in a place that it leaves a fragrance. It leaves something that you're going, how many's ever gone into the perfume aisle at the stores and you walk in and you can tell somebody's been spraying the perfume. <laughs> you walk in, sometimes it hits you. Wow, it's over much. But sometimes there's an area that you can smell and it says, wow, that smells so good. It says, wow. And you look at somebody and says, what do you got on? See, that's what the real world is looking. And when you're led by Christ and you're led in the things that God has, it, the Bible says that you need to be thankful. First of all, he leads you. Thankful that he's given you what you have in your life. He's done some things. And he says it brings a fragrance that people will say, I can smell victory in their life. Victory. Oh, there you go. You're getting it. It says, it says he leads you in that area. That means you're walking in the place that he's called you. That's walking in the areas that he wants you to have in your life. That's called victory in Jesus. Victory. See, there's a song that we used to sing growing up in church. It was called victory in Jesus. Some of you are going to get wore out after a while. Think, wait a minute, pastor, I've been doing this all service long, but you're never going to forget it because your joints are going to say, oh, I got to keep them up. A victory in him. But we see that uh, the perfume uh, is a, not just a perfume. It's not just a fragrance, but it's a faith walk. When you walk by faith, you don't walk by sight. Because if I walk by sight, I'm going to get discouraged. See, I never look at a situation for the situation's sake. I have to look at what the scripture gives me. I have to know what Christ says for me to operate in. I must look at, at the things said, God's going to take care of everything for all things work for the good. All things work out for the good. All things work out for the good. If God's for me, who can be against me? If God has given me this area of walking, I can uh, be an overcomer. I can have success in the word that God's given me. And though that I'm going through those things, and though I'm facing difficulties, the Bible says that I can have peace that passes all understanding. That brings a calmness. That brings a little place of hope that everything is going to be all right. That brings an area in my life I can say victory is mine. Victory. Glory to God. That brings a perfume. That brings a fragrance of my faith out in that realm and knowing when I speak the word that the word does not come back void for God will not allow his word to be used wrongly but he will come out rightly and Jesus is the reason why we are who we are. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Read two more verses. 
as we go down this area, as we walk in the ways that God wants us to walk. Verse 14. If you're there, say victory. victory. <laughs> you thought I was going to say amen, didn't you? Verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us, and he, had, he has taken it out of the way and have nailed it to the cross. That's the reason why you can walk in the way you do, in the areas that you do, because he has removed the curse. Say, I'm not cursed. Come on, I don't want you to say that. I'm not cursed. And when you know that, when you understand that, and he's taken that on, laid it on the cross and nailed it there, I am been forgiven. I, I'm no longer cursed, but I am blessed. I no longer live in an area of bondage, but I am free. I'm no longer without sight, but I have revelation now in what Christ has done for me. Because he nailed the old man, he nailed the old things that controlled my life to the cross. And he gave me uh, the areas that I can walk in the freedom that I do. Thank God for that freedom. But notice that the Apostle Paul said in verse 15, he says, having disarmed, huh, thank God he disarmed him. He done away with the works of the enemy, but it had done more than that. He disarmed him. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing Victory. There you go over them in it. Now we see that uh, this disarming aspect, it brings up two points. Principalities. What are principalities? They are rulers in spiritual realm. In other words, Satan is in a rulership in that spiritual realm. We also know that there's princes that operate over areas because we see that uh, before Daniel got an answer about praying something, then when the angel says, I had to battle the prince of Persia. I had to come against that principality, that ruler in that realm that's over that. How many knows America has those principalities? How many knows Warsaw has principalities? And you need to understand that when you look at those principalities, you're not in fear. You're not in that because Christ had disarmed that area. And we need to look at it and say, wait a minute, victory, victory. belongs to the child of God. Yes. Let me jump up for just a minute. Woo! Victory, victory belongs to the child of God. Thank you, Father, that I am that area that you've given to me. But he goes on because there is powers that is gone forth. The fallen angels that have fallen from heaven are going to and fro, just like Satan, their leader, seeking whom they may devour. And so they influence. And right now in our area, I've never seen such a time when people are trying to uh, harm other people. I've never seen such a time in, in this areas of home life where the people and the kids are faced with areas of difficulty and how that the powers have influenced because that's what it really does. They influence. They can't make, but they can influence. But can 
can I tell you that, uh, that God's given us a wherewith that we bring a fragrance. We bring an influence that when people come around us, they not only see us, but they see the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. And see, God has given us the power to be an overcomer, to be that one that can be successful, to do what God has called us to do, to have a victorious life. You must understand that as you place that into your hearts. See, he's given us that wherewith. No matter what you go through, no matter how difficult, that he's given you that uh, walking if we follow him. He's leading us. Aren't you glad he leads you? See, the ranks of the fallen angels, the influence and control of the enemy, no longer controls the child of God. Now I'm going to have you say amen. Amen. So be it. Aren't you glad that he no longer controls you? But you got to learn to come along in the word and follow his word. Why do you say you love me, Jesus said to his disciples, and not do as I have commanded you? See, that's where you get the victory. Victory. Oh, some of you are not as quick as you used to be. And that's what I, I want you to understand. Sometimes in this life, you let things just wear you down. You let things get on your life. And that's the influence of the enemy. You need to go to his word and said, he has given me all things that pertain to life and to give me life everlasting, to give me a life abundant. That's what a believer's life is like. That's living faith, not a dead faith. Aren't you glad for the living faith? Praise God for the living faith we have. See, we have an influence and we must understand we don't let things influence us. We bring influence. There's a lot of times people say, well, you don't accept me. No, you're not accepting me. You're not accepting my life that I've given to Christ. You're not accepting my, my belief system. So you're rejecting me, but you want me to accept everything you're doing, which is sinful. That's not life. That's death. You are in a death sentence and you need to come out of that death sentence. You can get freedom. And we must portray that to the world that we live in. They're in bondage. They don't know they're in bondage. They're just chasing after things to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But we as the believers, we that are being led of Christ, we walk in the things and we know what we're talking about. I don't have to presume. I don't have to assume. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that my Savior lives. And my Savior lives. I can live. And I live in him. And he in me. Thank you, Father. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we move forward in this of understanding, walking in this area of victory. 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 <laughs> Go down to verse 57. Notice again how that the apostle Paul addresses this. But thanks be to God. How many knows we need to come through his Gates with thanksgiving and it is courts with praises. But thanks be to God who gives. Say he gives. He gives. gives who? Us. Us. Let's change that. I'm not trying to change scripture, but let's make it a little more personal. Say gives me. Gives me. Notice what the word says. What, what is that word? 
Oh, I only heard just one or two or three. That's about it. How many knows that this word says what? Victory. Victory through Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank God that we have this because he thanked God for the victory he has in Christ Jesus. And because if we notice this, it's the life of the victor. It's the life of those that have this calling in our lives that we've been placed into us. And notice this, he says, this is your life that you live, that you're steadfast, that you're firm. How many knows we live in a world that is topsy-turvy? They don't know which way to go. They don't know which way to turn. One day they're happy. One day they're down in the dumps. One day they're excited. Next day they don't know which way they're in turmoil. The Christian, the believer should never be in that realm. And we see that Paul is saying here, so therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, be firm, fixed in your faith, fixed on what God says, fixed on what Jesus said in your life. I am what he says I am. I'm not soon shaken by the things of this world. I'm not soon shaken by the economy. I'm not soon shaken by my financial things. I'm not soon shaken by what the doctors are saying, but I know in whom I trust. I stand first, firm in the things of God. I'm fixed in what he's given me. In other words, I don't stagger with those things. I'm not blown around by every wind of doctrine, by every things that's been blowing in the things around us. There's a church organization, a denomination that's in the world, the second largest evangelical denomination, and if you turn to anything on the internet, you can find out they're called the United Methodist. Well, they just had a gathering and they voted in uh, to not lean towards LTGB. But they're having a turmoil, internal strife, internal things. And they were interviewing a few people because they were gathering, trying to change. And he says, well, we need to change the tradition of what the church had been going. And they were saying, they brought it up in tradition. And I thought to myself, I says, what does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? What does the scripture say? What is God saying about the situation? This is not about tradition. This is what the word of God says. Now, there's some in their order are saying, now we need to include everybody. That's a new word, inclusion. Uh, we need to include them in everything we need. But you know what? That may be all right in the world. Uh, you, you may want to include, but you need to separate yourself from the things of sinful life. From the areas that the world says, well, they go after this because, but it's nothing but lustful things in their minds and desires. When I heard that, I, I thought, uh, thank God for the ones that were standing firm. We're living in a time when they're going to challenge you. They're living in a time when they're coming up with this hate areas. And we need to pass laws that you don't speak against hate. If you understand what they're saying, if they'll come to the church and find out if you're hating on people or loving on people, just because uh, God says, I don't love the sinful life. I hate the sin, but I love the individual. 
Jesus didn't save me in my sin. He saved me from my sin. Let me say it again. That's good. He didn't save me in my sin. He saved me from my sin. That's what makes me steadfast and firm. In other words, I'm going to walk in the upright and the righteousness that God's placed within me. I'm going to be steady about it. In an unsteady world, we have a rock we can lean upon. Now notice the second point. He said immovable. Something that I have seen in the church world that has come about. I've never seen so many people just pull up roots and plant themselves someplace else. The next thing else, I don't like what's going on here, so I'm going to plant myself over here. And God never plants them. And when you do that long enough, what happens to the vine? What happens to the tree? What happens to the plant? It dies. And that's what's happening to so many. They are not following the leading of the Lord himself and going where the Lord said to go. But they're being uprooted by so many issues and so many things by their own feelings instead of saying, I must go where God says to go. See, that's being rooted and grounded. In other words, you're solid. There's people that I work with that I'm around I could ask him, did you go to church today? Well, I didn't feel like it today. Well, I just slept in just a little bit because I've been tired. I've been working all week long. I didn't want to really, and that tells me a story about their life, about uh, uh, what they really put in importance and priorities. Because when your life changes, you want to be around the people that loves the Lord. Now that's an amen spot again. You want to be around godly people, immovable, grounded, not this. Can I just put it into, you got a firm foundation. Your hope is in the Lord, but let's put it this way. You're not swayed by every pressure that's around you and belief that's around you. You know, you know that you know that you know that what Christ has said to you. See, this is my life that I walk in the Christ that gives me the victory. (laughs) In other words, we're not wishy-washy. How many of you ever seen people that can't make a decision? We was around a group of people, and after church, they would go back and forth. Let's eat over here. No, let's eat over here. I says, choose you this day <laughs> where you're going to eat at. <laughs> it's a small thing, but choose. <laughs> My belly says that's need to be filled. We're seeing people that... Uh, they're not built on Christ and his blood and his righteousness. For me, that's, that, you can't sway me on that. My life is built upon Christ and his righteousness and his blood, what he's done. There's nothing less, nothing more. There's him. But it also says, as we look at that, immovable and a good firm foundation, solid. That person's solid. You can rely upon them. Reliability is not a, an issue anymore, is, is an issue because you can't find people to go to work anymore. Especially in America. Have you ever seen so many jobs? They're paying high entry level wages to people. I'm going, how can they survive? Next thing you know, you go try to get something. Wow, that costs quite a bit more. They're passing that on because people just don't want to work. They're not reliable. And even those that come, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. 
I've never seen time. I, I went and got my order from one of the fast food restaurants and the guy was standing there as he was waiting for this. I says, my order ready. He goes, oh, I don't know. I need to check. I almost wanted to go in and talk to the manager. I says, if that guy is not concerned about his job, get rid of him. You say, that's pretty plain, Pastor. It's time we speak truth. Either you want the job or you don't. Either you want the benefits or you don't. It's time we as Americans say enough is enough. I've been paying taxes long enough for those that don't want to work. Whether you work or not, and I heard a congressman say that. Wait a minute. That's my money you're using. That's something that you're taking from me. You're stealing from me and giving it to somebody who doesn't want to work. That is not the Christian way of operating. That is not the way we need to be. Amen. It's pretty plain. You're delving in some areas. It's time we speak the truth. I love them, but it's time that if you don't eat... If you want to eat, you better work. Didn't Paul say that? Can I hear an amen on that one? It goes on and says, abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying, increase. Even in the church realm, only, and it used to be 10% was doing 90% of the work. Working for the Lord. Uh, and uh, the lesson we had in Sunday school this morning, it talked about Mary Magdalene. How that God had saved her, delivered her, brought her out of a life that was no hope and miserable. And all of a sudden she become one of the greatest servants that he could ever have. As a matter of fact, she was there towards the end. And she had been commissioned after the risen Savior had rose to go tell those. In other words, she was one of the first evangelists that we see from Scripture. And we see that she was faithful. She was always being obedient, wanting to serve. And that's something we don't see much in the day and age we're living in. Uh, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If I feel like going to church, I'll be there. If I feel like witnessing, I'll do it. But it's not about your feelings. It's about being obedient to what Christ has already given you. See, I don't need to worry about being feelings wise. I need to obey his word. He's already given it to me. He's already told me to do it. Be a witness. That's the reason why I give you the Holy Spirit, not just to shout or speak in tongues, but to be a witness, he says, unto the uttermost parts of the world. And then he begins in your home backyard. So the bounding, increasing in the Lord's service. Ever obedient to the Lord. In other words, what I'm doing, I'm ever being engaged. I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for a way that I can be that one of a message because that's pretty much what the fragrance is doing is bringing in a message. They smell it so they can tell whether you're a Christian. How many knows you, you can tell when there's true believers or not? You, you, you get around them enough, you can tell by the way they carry themselves. They're engaged. They can tell whether you love the Lord or not. They can tell when you work and whether you do things right, whether nobody else is looking. You don't need approval by somebody. You, you need approval from the Lord because I work as unto the Lord. So I'm engaged. Every time I get up and I go to work, I'm engaged. But I see so many people claim to have this, but yet they don't operate. They're never engaged. In other words, also, there's another word. It's another E word called Excel. 
I want to excel above and beyond what my coworkers or what this one's doing or that one because I want to please the Lord. I want to go above and beyond and do what I need to do to please the Lord because that is living a life of victory. Victory. That's the reason why I, I, when I go in there, I don't look at anybody else. Well, they're not doing it. They're not going to that realm. Can I tell you that Lord says my labor is not in vain because why do I do what I do? Because it's not the here and now. It's not what I'm happening and what I'm going to receive now. But he says, welcome in thou good and faithful servant. That's what he said in his word. He says, are you excelling? Are you engaged? Are you doing the life that I've given you? Are you being that victorious Christian believer to do what God says to do? See, this message is for you that you can make it. You can do what God says for you to do. In other words, the reward, I want to hear him say, you've labored, but you know what drives me? You know what gives me that area? Is eternity. When I stand before the Lord, giving is not just of your time and your talent. How many wants to be blessed? But when you hold on to what you think is your monetary and it's yours and you don't give it to the Lord, watch what happens. It'll go through your fingers. It's your time, talent, and treasure. Everything you hold valuable, everything you hold that's precious to you, give it to the Lord and watch what God will do. God will bless you. God will give you more than what you imagine. (laughs) Aren't you glad that he's a giver? And the Bible says he gave more than what anybody. He gave his only begotten son. And we're seeing that in the time we're living in. It's time we be what God says. See, I'm, I'm driven by an eternal perspective. I'm driven by what God has given me. And that's eternity. Even in my work, even in my fellowshipping, and in my goingness, I'm driven by eternity. I'm driven by what is taking place that God is going to reward me with. It's not my wages I receive now. And thank God I receive good wages. I'm not talking about your monetary. God gives me many, many blessings. I see he healed me. He set my mind right. He gave me the joy that the world can't give me. He gave me peace that the world can't give me. He gave me love that the world can't give me. He gave me something that really gives me some energy, that, that power that gives me to that place where I need to be. And that's through the Holy Spirit. Thank God he breathes on me again. Thank God he breathed this morning in the service. How many felt him in the service this morning. Go to, if you would, Hebrews chapter 12. Verses one and two. Something I noticed that um, from this, as we look from scriptures, as you watch the sports arenas or anything that goes on, they always have what I call a cheer block or people that follow that. How many's ever seen people put on their team uh, uh, outfits? Yeah. Hats, gloves. 
They go to work, they put them on. Because they're supporting. In other words, they're a cheer block. And maybe the players don't even know they're doing that. But they're receiving a reward called wages. But notice what the Apostle Paul said, or if he wrote a Hebrews, we don't know for sure who wrote Hebrews, but it says this in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded, say, I'm surrounded, by a great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us or besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He's going before me. Notice that. Even though the cross was not an easy, the cross meant death. But notice what he said, the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to go back just for a moment. It says this, such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, why did the writer talk about this? If we go back to the chapter before, it's called the Hall of Faith. And where that we see 17 different times, it talks about these people that lived by faith. And by faith, they operated, they moved, they believed God. The one thing that really says that says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses because we can pull up the different ones that gave us a testimony. It says by in verse two of chapter 11, it says the elders received a good report. They received a good testimony. And that is a surrounding for me. In other words, saying they made it by faith. They made it by believing God. And they didn't have a church. They didn't have a body of Christ. They didn't have the spirit of God. And many of them didn't have a Bible, but they believed God. Yes. We are surrounded. In other words, they become my cheer block. In other words, they were saying your name. Sheila, Sheila, he, she can, she can, Sheila can. German can, German can. I know he can. They was cheering you on. They said those saying to you, and that's the reason why the writer wrote this about every single one, by faith, by faith. And that's what we live by, by faith. And it's not something we're just in the air, just living just by whatever it means. We know in whom we trust. We know he died for us, as the scripture says, but he rose again, and now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. Can I tell you what Jesus is saying? You can make it, child. I endured. You can do it. Amen. Victory in Jesus. Victory. I'm triumphing over all these things. Oh, thank you, Father. 17 times it says that in that chapter, but it says this, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice. Goes on and says, Enoch was taken, one of my heroes, because he walked with God. It goes on to say, Noah built the ark and was saved. It says, Abraham obeyed and received the promise. We could go on and on and on. 
such a great cloud of witnesses. If we could hear them say to us what they're saying, by faith, you can make it. I remember my grandfather, Smith Johnson, didn't have a lot in this world, but the one thing that I learned from him, Jesus was the most important one in his life. (laughs) He didn't drive a car. He didn't have a license to drive. But you know what? He had a phone and he knew how to use it. And I'm not talking about the cell phone. I'm talking about the ringer type, but you just do this. He would call for a ride and they would make sure they would pick him up. If not, he was calling them. I want to get to church. I want to be in church. I want to be around those godly people. People says that God's not moving anymore. I'm thinking God never changes. So where are you? He never changes. If you want to move him out of God, who's changed? God's still around. And when you come to church, who do you bring? Just yourself? No, I bring Jesus with me. He's with me every single day. He surrounds me because that's pretty much what this witness is saying. I'm surrounding you. I'm surrounded by all these people. They're saying, you can make it. You can make it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It also brings up not only my grandfather, because I looked to somebody else. His name was Albert Whitaker, and he was my first pastor. He was the one I was saved under. I seen Albert get up and do things. I says, how does he keep going? One day I asked him, how do you do it? He goes, I love the Lord, and the Lord gives me strength. Another man that I met in my life was my father-in-law. He loved the Lord. Every time you go over to his house, every time I come over to pick up my girlfriend, later my fiance, now my wife, and we go in, I would find him in his study, either praying or reading the word. He find out I come in because he knew that I loved to talk about the word. And he would come to the kitchen table before we leave. Pretty soon they asked us, did you come for Martha or did you come for him? (laughs) We had something in common. I can still hear his voice. I can still hear his knowledge that he's passing on. And there's many others I could talk about in the life that we've seen. They're surrounding us, church. They're saying, yes, this is tough times. Yes, you're going through it, but you can make it. See, there's victory. In Jesus. I noticed that in verse 2. He says, run. Now is the time. What did it say here? He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Say, now is the time. Now is the time to run because this is what he's talking about. Jesus and The writer says, it's time we run like never before. It's time we go like never before. You've got to watch who you hang around and what you listen to also. There's a lot of people twisting the words of this Bible. So you've got to be very, very careful who you're listening to. Their lifestyle really does matter. Are they following the word of God? Are they living a sinful life? Because they may give you the truth, but if they're living in sin, you get sin. 
The Bible says, lay aside every weight. How many of those there's things that kind of hold you back? There's things that pressures on you emotionally and physically and, and things that happen in your life. If you don't watch it, those weights, if you don't learn to cast those cares upon the Lord, it'll drag you down. You walk in and everybody says, I thought you had victory in your life. I'm stopping just for a moment so you can get this in your spirit. He said, why are you repeating this? I want you to have victory in your life. I want you to be triumphant in your life. I want you to know who is leading, who's gone before you, and we're surrounded now. The cheer block is saying, go, go, go. <laughs> go to the goal. You can do it. And they get louder when you start taking things down there. You can hear them. The crowd gets loud. I can imagine what heaven's like right now. And they're looking down to us that are in the last days. They're saying, you can make it. You can make it. Keep on going. Keep on going. Run the race like you never run. <laughs> There's an old song that says, I'm running for my life. I'm running for my life. How many members that you're running for your life? If anyone asks you, what's the matter with me? Till I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and baptized. I'm running for my life. I'm running for my life. If ever a time we lift our heads up, it's today. If ever a time, because Jesus has disarmed the enemy. We must understand he has no power over the believer. But it goes on to say, look unto Jesus. And the Bible says that he's interceding. He's on the cheer block. He's the head of the cheer block. And I can imagine he's looking at the father. He says, there they are. They're going. No. Stand to your feet, if you would, please, over the building. 